1: The Athletic. While well, the transfer window shuts on Thursday, it's already been a record summer of spending, and it looks like Premier League clubs are far from done. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Athletic Football
2: Podcast. Many people I speak to within the game feel that United have massively overpaid for him, and that his value is way lower. I've never seen a couple look less like they want to leave Barcelona
3: in the history of Barcelona. They could, not be, they could not appear more tied into Barcelona.
1: Well, it looks like Chelsea and Everton and, of course, Manchester United are going to be three of the busiest clubs over the next few days. Joining us now to look at where everything stands before the window shuts. The Athletics Adam Crafton and of course David Ornstein we couldn't talk transfers without David let's start with Manchester United shall we uh, who have agreed to deal with Ajax for Anthony at the start of the window I thought he was valued at around 42 million pounds and they appear to be paying 84 million so um, that that's great negotiating skills from the Ajax point of
2: view well I'll leave you to pass judgment on Manchester United's market manoeuvring uh, Anthony has been a key target for their manager Eric Ten Hag all summer but while Frankie de Jong was their priority recruit for the summer window and they were focusing pretty much all of their attentions on him for a period of time I don't think they were prepared to pay the figure that Ajax was said to be demanding earlier in the summer which from people you speak to was considerably lower than they've ended up paying and so as the window wore on And it became clear that De Jong would not be coming to Manchester United. They return their focus to Anthony uh, by which point that asking price had escalated massively and also Ajax were weakened by the sale of a number of players and Schroeder their manager was keen to have a competitive side this season including Anthony they've got Champions League, Eredivisie, Domestic Cup competitions and so if he was going to go it was going to have to be for extortionate money now I'm not going to lie Many people I speak to within the game feel that United have massively overpaid for him and that his value is way lower than they're going to be dishing out to to bring him to Old Trafford. Uh, But ultimately, that's a risk and a gamble that they've decided to take. And we'll have to see if it pays off. They've agreed to pay €100 million, including add-ons. We think that's made up of €95 million plus five in bonuses. And there's solidarity payments included in that to his former club. And so it's a really big deal. And United will be desperate, Eric ten Hag in particular, too, that it pays dividends. And of course, he's not been tested massively within European football, only a couple of seasons at Ajax. So this is a huge step up for enormous value. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing how it pans out.
1: Adam, you look puzzled. I can't work out whether that's because of this transfer or whether you've got technical
3: problems or maybe both. (laughs) Uh, A little bit of both, but we're okay. No, I mean, David's right in relation to... To Anthony, like that, I think there's a lot of surprise at how much Manchester United have paid in this window. I, I think not only for, for Anthony, but also but also for Martinez, who probably would have been, you know, a little bit cheaper if they'd done it a little bit earlier before Arsenal got involved, which enabled Ajax to make it more of a bidding war. The flip side is they didn't do it earlier, and you're then left with a choice. You either back you either back the manager and the people that he wanted to bring to the club. Or you don't, and they, you know, they got themselves into a position pretty late in the window where, you know, the manager is under quite a bit of pressure after losing his first two games, and he's gone for the comfort blanket of this forward player that he knows. Obviously, the other thing that's changed since the start of the window is is that Cristiano Ronaldo has decided that he wants to leave the club. And and that's obviously the live situation as well, which puts even more pressure on United to go out and buy forward players.
1: The positive bit here, whatever they've paid, Adam, is that the fans, whatever the media might say about heights of people, but the fans have, have very much taken to Ten Hag's new signings. So his judgment at the
3: moment is being supported by the fans. It is. And I think, you know, the last two games, Lissandro Martinez has been... Basically, man of the match against Liverpool and and Southampton, and I think people so far not only like his performances but also his attitude and his character. I think uh, Melassia at left backs also looks like an upgrade, um, given what they you know they didn't pay too much for him, and and obviously Christian Eriksen started pretty well as well. So I think that gives more trust. Uh, from the fans. But, you know, you also have to remember it's two games. There's been two good games. There's been two bad games for Lisandro Martinez as well. And, you know, it doesn't change the fact that if Manchester United, if this doesn't go right for Manchester United with Eric Tanhag, and obviously, you know, everyone hopes it does uh, from a United perspective. If it doesn't, you've now got over £150 million worth, again, of a specific manager's very specific choices. You now, United would argue that that's their model is... You know, that they have a football director, but their model is to back their manager's choices and give him what he considers the, the best possible tools for his style of football. And we've seen, you know, everyone talks about Leeds with their sporting director, Victor Auto in a very positive way. But Leeds have done something very similar this summer, giving Jesse Marsh players from that he's worked with previously with Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson. Uh, from the Red Bull is at Christensen as well at right back also from that same I suppose recruitment model so you know it's not only Manchester United that have done this um, but it is Manchester United who have the track record of having sort of a hodgepodge of players from different managers not working out and then losing a manager and doing it again
2: in a repetitive cycle so let's see where it goes. Are United done David in this window? No, they're going to look to bring in a backup goalkeeper, competition for David De Gea. Their first choice candidate seems to be Martin Dubravka of Newcastle United, who Uh, They've made a proposal for a loan with an option to buy. I think Newcastle may have preferred that to be um, a purchase. So there's probably a bit of negotiation to be had there. But all indications are that personal terms have been agreed. They did want competition at right back, but I don't know if that's a priority now. Maybe it will depend on whether there's an outgoing before the deadline. And then they've been considering a number of options for the centre-forward position or the attacking line in addition to Anthony alongside Anthony um, and that will depend on what sort of budget is left available. The Cody Gakpo interest seemed to call um, even though they were pursuing both at the same time and if the money had allowed they might have done both. Maybe they will still do both but I think it's Probably unlikely given the fee that PSV will ask for Cody Gakpo. And there's a lot of interest in him from others. I reveal on my Monday column that uh, Southampton are the first, believed to be the first team to have actually made an offer for Gakpo to PSV, and that's been rejected. Everton are also monitoring the situation if. Anthony Gordon is to leave, which I think is looking unlikely at this point. United have made other inquiries just to check on the availability and and to monitor the situations of the likes of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at Barcelona. We revealed today that Chelsea are having second thoughts about that signing from Barcelona. Um, They're reconsidering whether to go ahead with it. Also, Memphis Depay is an option that Manchester United have kept tabs on again at Barcelona. They made a late check on Anthony Gordon, as I understand it. Uh, when it wasn't clear whether the Antony pursuit was going to come to fruition, but it has. And so that was just sort of really due diligence and contingency planning.
1: As you have the same, as you have that, hang on, Adam, because you have the same cynicism as me. So as soon, you're, you're thinking what I'm thinking, that they've now got a database of Antony's that probably has 400 names on it. It's possible.
3: David, is there anywhere for Cristiano Ronaldo to go?
2: Well, I mean, you've done a lot of work on this as well, and we've not really um, produced a viable destination as things stand from our conversations calls inquiries obviously Chelsea's ownership were interested in doing this deal but it seems their manager wasn't on the same page Thomas Tuchel so that kind of dissipated we know there's been some interest from Napoli but we don't know how feasible that is from a financial perspective or in terms of his desire to return to play in Italy There have been reports around Sporting Lisbon, but I've always been steered away from them. Atletico Madrid were said to be at the table and George Mendes working hard to make that happen reportedly, although their fans retaliated quite badly about the idea of signing a Real Madrid legend. And, you know, the the list goes on of of potential Champions League destinations. There's also a lucrative offer from Saudi Arabia, but that wouldn't fit in with his sort of sporting aspirations. And the longer this goes on, the more likely it seems that he will be remaining with Manchester United due to a lack of options. However, I still think that if a credible solution arises before that 11pm on Thursday deadline that suits Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United, then they could well go ahead with it and see it as being in the best interests of all parties, it will take George Mendes to pull a rabbit out of the hat because I don't see where that is as things stand.
1: Adam, what do you understand to be the worst option for United? Him going or him staying?
2: I probably think him staying at this
3: point is, is the worst option because I think when you look at you know the, the spirit and the unity that Eric Ten Hag seems to be developing on the tour... And then the spirit and the unity that United have demonstrated in the last two games when he's not been starting. I know he's been playing this kind of friendly mascot substitute role where he's, you know, he's spending a bit of time with pundits on the on, on TV before games. And to be fair, you know, he celebrated the goal on on Saturday uh with the players as well. But, you know, when he's actually been on the pitch, I mean his cameo on Saturday was was pretty appalling for the last half hour. I mean, Man United couldn't get up the pitch. With him as their striker, I'm not saying Marcus Rashford was that much better in in the first you know hour or so through the middle, but but Ronaldo really struggled, and I, I just think United at this point need you know a group of players that are all pulling in the same direction, that are all fully buying into the new manager's style of play, that that trust each other, that like each other, and I and I think you know I do think it's true that you get better performances from those other attacking players. You know whether that's down to Ronaldo or not, when, when he's not on the pitch. And we've seen that, I think, the last two games from Bruno Fernandes, Jaden Sancho, Rashford to an extent. So, so that's, that's where I'm at on it. But um, he needs his very accomplished agent to to find something.
1: Let's uh, move on to Chelsea. Before we come on to Aubameyang, who David has already uh, mentioned, uh, let's deal with Wesley Fofana. This is the closest of Chelsea's deals to being done. Our Chelsea correspondent is Simon Johnson and here he is now with the latest on that deal.
3: Now Fafana is, is gonna get done, should be announced the next day or two. I've been told um it's Less than what's been reported so far, that um, it's all in for less than £70
1: million. Of course, that's from a source from within Chelsea. And of course, they're always going to steer
3: favourably. But that, that's thats what I'm led to believe. And that does sort of um, give the money to burn elsewhere. Now, in terms of striker situation, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I'm led to believe that, that Chelsea are now having second thoughts about signing Aubameyang.
1: So that's nearly done, David. Why have they made a U-turn on
2: Aubameyang? Yeah, firstly, just to add on um, Fafana, Chelsea have taken the perhaps surprising step of sending him to the USA for his medical. That was a decision from their ownership, I think, for peace of mind. Obviously, he's had some uh, serious injury problems in recent times. And when you're spending in the region of £70 million, you want to be absolutely sure. And I expect that transfer to be completed by the middle of this week. On a six-year contract in terms of Bamiang, there's no agreement yet between the clubs and there's no agreement fully on personal terms Barcelona want a level of money that Chelsea are not currently prepared to pay and there's then also some issues around Chelsea wanting any contract that he's awarded to include performance incentives now if he was to stay at Barcelona it would be more guaranteed so there's a bit of a discrepancy there and Chelsea need to look at the overall value of signing a player who's 33 years old and hasn't had the best year with what happened at Arsenal and now Barcelona although he's a proven elite goalscorer and that's what Thomas Tuchel is looking for and I suspect Thomas Tuchel would would get the best out of him we we saw them work well together at Borussia Dortmund so we're not saying that this isn't going to happen but as things stand Chelsea are reconsidering that transfer and at the same time they think incredibly highly of Armando Broja think he's one of the best young strikers in Europe and so I think a move away from Stamford Bridge for him is looking improbable. They are still considering centre-forward options but I think it's less clear at this point whether that will be a Bamiang or not whereas previously it was looking like very much the direction of travel.
3: Haven't they been trying to sell Brosier all summer though?
2: No I don't think it was Chelsea looking to sell him and certainly the ownership there has been very fond to keep him but I think Roja wasn't necessarily seeing a path to the first team and senior game time opportunities. And therefore, I think he was open to moving. The interest from West Ham was strong and Everton and probably others too. But I think there's been a bit of a clarity in conversations about where they see him and what chances he might get. I think there's a good opportunity to potentially see him this week in action. I think Chelsea play on Tuesday, is it? Or Wednesday? And so, yeah, could change. And and you never know with these things. And there's been reports that Everton will try and take him and Conor Gallagher in exchange for Anthony Gordon. Another deal that I think is starting to look remote in its chances of happening, that proposed Anthony Gordon move. And so, yeah, I think I hear that Brozier is more likely to stay than leave. There have been rumours flying around about Zaha. Where's that come from? Zaha is among the options Chelsea have looked at, are considering. But I'm told that right now that rumoured move is unlikely to materialise.
1: Why is the Anthony Gordon one not likely to happen now? Is that really because of Everton's determination to keep hold of him?
2: Yes, and there's a gulf in the valuations that Chelsea have for him and Everton have for him that we're being told is unlikely to be breached before the deadline. Quite simply, uh, Chelsea are prepared to go far for him. We reported that Everton had been told to expect an offer of fifty plus ten million pounds, so worth sixty million pounds. But we were never aware that that had landed, and Frank Lampard said it has hadn't. There's clear admiration, and again, a target for Thomas Tuchel, a top target from from his perspective that he would like to have bought to the club. But Chelsea's ownership don't seem to be prepared to go to the level that Everton would demand if they they were going to part with him. And the longer the window goes on, the more difficult it is for Everton to replace him and the less useful the money becomes. They don't just want to replace him if he's to go, but they want to add in addition to any potential replacement. And the clock is ticking. They've got targets, they hope to bring in two or three, but I think confidence is growing within Everton that Gordon will stay for this window but it's a bit of a warning for them because Chelsea have gone strongly Tottenham previously others have got their eye on him as well Newcastle were among the teams said to be very keen on him so if it's gone away for now it hasn't necessarily gone away long term Anthony Gordon I think has three years left on his Everton contract which has given them peace of mind to an extent they've also put a new contract offer on the table for him he wanted to go he told Everton that he would like to leave and take up the opportunity to play for Chelsea in the Champions League and improve his chances of going to the World Cup but um, at the time of recording it looks like he'll be staying.
3: It's a kind of classic case isn't it of the um, club in a relegation battle where the value they, ha- they put on that player because he could keep them in the Premier League is so much higher than what anyone sane looking to buy would be prepared to pay, would be prepared to pay. It's probably one of the reasons why over the years, I don't know, someone like Wilfred Zaha has never left Crystal Palace because his value to Palace has always been so much greater than what someone is prepared to pay. And I think Gordon is is kind of getting into that territory for Everton. But, you know, if you're Chelsea, you're probably looking at it and thinking, well, he's, I think he scored five goals for Everton. Like, are you really going to go and spend... £60 million at that point. Sticking
1: with Everton, they, they did sign Neil Mopé over the weekend. So here's the Athletics' Everton correspondent, Greg O'Keefe, on that move and also whether there will be any more incomings at Goodison.
0: Well, the first thing that Neil Maupay is going to hopefully add to Everton is something that's been clearly lacking and that's a focal point up front. A bit more of a clinical edge in front of goal. I don't think anyone expects him to be prolific, to be a 20-goal a season man. That wouldn't be uh, on the horizon if you look at his numbers in the Premier League so far. He's I think his best tally is 10 in a season for Brighton. But Lampard knows he has to spread goals across his attack. And at the moment, it's been painfully clear that Everton haven't had that at all in, in the uh, in, in the first four or five games of the season. So he'll be expected to be convert some of these chances that Everton are creating and um, maybe replace some of the qualities, that tenacity and that fight and that spirit that Lawson brought with him and made him so popular with the fans of Goodison Park. Elsewhere, Lampard wants another attacker. As I say, he needs... He needs kind of Malpay to hit 10 and more. He's got to rely on Dominic Carver-Lewin staying fit. So I think he ideally would like another striker or wide attacking player.
1: So they're the thoughts from Greg. Your column, David, has Idrissa Garnagay and James Garner as Everton's top two targets. Are they
2: likely to come off? Talking of all the Antony's, it's now all the Garner's. Yes. <laughs> so Idrissa Garnagay is a player who for a while now Everton have reached an agreement with on personal terms and with PSG on the club-to-club side. There are issues unresolved between PSG and Garnegay himself and Everton want them to be resolved imminently so that they can press ahead with this transfer but if that doesn't happen they, they're going to have to move on to another target rapidly with the deadline fast approaching. Um, in addition to Garnegay or somebody else they other midfield priority is James Garner from Manchester United but United have been obviously very busy with other stuff and therefore Everton haven't got them to the negotiating table to try and finalise this and they're not the only team in for him Southampton for example think they've got a good chance in signing him. So James Garner is one to watch as the, the deadline draws to a, a close. And, and we revealed on The Athletic in my previous Monday column that United um, were open to selling Garner, I think, for £14 million. And there was a lot of negative reaction from the Manchester United fan base to that.
1: I, I know. That is a terrible decision. I'm sorry, but that is a terrible
2: decision
3: do you not think Adam well I always think it's difficult when you've only seen a player a very different level which is the championship um, and he's not had that exposure in the Premier League I would imagine to to give some balance that United would be putting in a pretty strong sell-on clause potentially buyback clause maybe that's a little bit optimistic given the way they've sold over the years in terms of what what I'm laying out for them but I would think that would be that would be part of it if they're going to sell at that price It, it did make me wonder when I heard that he was for sale, whether actually United, because of what they realised they were about to do, whether it was with Anthony or other players they're looking to bring in, whether actually United just thought, we need to get a bit of cash in here and we need to just try and balance these sales a little bit, whether it's regards to financial fair play or just you know just the fact that United's net spend is always incredibly high because they sell so badly over so many years. Like, I mean, you know, if you speak to anyone who was at Nottingham Forest last season, they will tell you that James Garner is good enough to play for play for his country one day. So, you know, from that point of view, selling for 14 million in a world where players are going, you know, players like Anthony Gordon are going on the market for 60-odd million doesn't look good. But again, it is that issue of What is the need for the selling club? And Manchester United don't appear to have a need for James Garner and Everton have a massive need for Anthony Gordon.
1: Everton have the money to to be able to bring in Gay and Garner, do they?
2: I think Gay will be a low-cost deal, relatively speaking. Garner a bit higher, but of course Everton still have proceeds from the sale of Richarlison, I presume. I don't know the exact financial ins and outs at Everton. Um, And they're still looking to bring in somebody across the front line as well, um, whether it be a striker or a wide forward. I don't know if that would have to be on loan. He Chan Huang at Wolves is one of the options that's been reported. Uh, However, if that was to be a loan, then they'd have to turn the Conor Cody deal into a permanent transfer because I don't think you can have two loans from one uh, fellow Premier League club anymore. So (laughs) business to be done at Everton for sure. Liverpool over
1: the weekend or since the Manchester United defeat and since people have been talking about midfielders there was always the view that Liverpool would wait till next summer to get their number one midfield target now whispers that they might look to bring in a midfielder before
2: the end of the window it's interesting this one there are reports out there now of the likes of Sander Burge and Conrad Lima we've checked Them out and haven't really um, established that they are Liverpool targets or anything particular is happening. The calls I've made around this and setting myself up for a fall here have suggested that Liverpool probably will not bring somebody in unless there's an exceptional opportunity that's very good value for money. Lima, I think, has a year to go. Leipzig resisted by Munich very strongly, but Liverpool might stand a better chance if they're interested in him because. Uh, He only has a year to go and they're not a direct rival within domestic competition. And knowing Liverpool, and we've seen this before with Diogo Jota, they might cause a bit of a surprise before the deadline that we weren't expecting. But equally, I think the Bournemouth victory will have emboldened them and they've got players to come back from injury as well. They've spent heavily, of course, this window on Darwin Nunes and it sounds like the ownership would prefer not to dip into the market again late on. And so... I don't think Jurgen Klopp's comments about we're going for a midfielder now necessarily meant they were definitely going to land one. But yeah, they're in the mix. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have any clarity on names at the moment. I thought he was being a bit passive aggressive in those comments.
3: I I might be wrong. When he was saying, you know, you guys were all right. I was wrong. It's very unusual for a manager to say that and mean it. So I'm not entirely sure he, he meant it completely, literally. Mm. Um, I'm sure he'll come on the podcast and tell us whether, whether he did or didn't. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I think unless something, you know, really presents itself where they think, you know, we can go and do that and, and that would really not just fill a gap but but improve the squad, then I don't think they'll do something. Um, You know, the only other one... We heard last week, and obviously he's going to West Ham now, is Lucas Paqueta? where there was a little bit of interest from Liverpool, but they didn't seem to act on it, particularly strongly when it came to it last week. So, yeah, I, th- I think at this stage of the window, it would take something pretty
2: remarkable. Is um, Frankie de Jong still available? <laughs> well, Frankie de Jong is, of course, one to watch in these final days. If, if, if he decides to finally play ball with Barcelona and uh, agree to a transfer, then I think Chelsea would be at the front of the queue. Their admiration is strong. They're in London, Champions League, and can afford him. But all indications are that he remains intent on staying at Barcelona and that his situation and the uh, sort of executive level desire to get him out will ease once the window is closed. And we've had no indication that the manager, Xavi, would like him to go at all, that he's counting on him, and, and if that's the case, then Frankie de Jong, uh, we're led to believe will stick around and Barcelona will have to solve their financial problems through other means.
3: If if you want an idea of how of how how happy Frankie de Jong is in Barcelona, you should spend a day following his girlfriend's Instagram account because uh, she, she basically just spends the entire the entire week sipping cocktails by the beach in Barcelona. On uh, jet skis, speedboats, videos of the couple together, their families together. I've never seen a couple look less like they want to leave Barcelona <laughs> in the history of Barcelona. They could not be. They could not appear more tied into Barcelona.
1: Uh, just a couple more mm. before we go. How many incomings do you think we'll have at Nottingham Forest by the time it all ends on Thursday? I think we're at. Well, we're recording this when it's at seventeen. I think it will go to eighteen today. I don't know. What will we get? Will we get to twenty?
2: Well, Renan Lodi will make it eighteen. The left fullback from Atletico Madrid, who was at the City Ground for the Tottenham match, and then Willie Bolly of Wolves has an offer from Nottingham Forest. So, if Wolves grant him that move, uh, he seems to be virtually on strike there Uh, he didn't turn up for the um, uh, weekend's game according to Bruno Large then that would take it to 19 or an alternative for that position we've seen Michael Keane linked with Nottingham Forest Serge Aurier has been heavily rumored to be coming in as right back cover so that would take it to 20 and the most extraordinary window for Forest would then be complete you wouldn't bet against a couple of further twists or turns but Steve Cooper seems to be bringing it all together quite nicely, remarkably. It shouldn't be the case, but uh, whether or not he and the Maranakis ownership are completely on the same page and who's doing what parts of recruitment, the fans seem to be behind it and Cooper's got a brilliant reputation within the game that's only building. And as a wider point, uh, I've spoken to a few people who think that this week is going to see something like £400 million spent by Premier League clubs before the deadline on top of the masses that have already um, been traded. So I think, although we're on a bank holiday here as we record this and it feels relatively calm, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday sound like they're going to explode. David's wearing a baseball cap and that's why he's now talking about trades rather
3: than transfers. Um, I, I, I presume. At least, I'm, at least um, I'm
2: not recording on top of kitchen roll. I mean, that's... Uh... <laughs> that's very
3: true. That's very true. I think that's just very clever, quick thinking in difficult circumstances. Um, but much like Steve Cooper's having to do. Watching Fo- watching Forest yesterday, yesterday, you just like seeing these play- you know, I-, I appreciate it is um, more your job than, than my job is to keep track of all these players that they're signing. But I'm just like watching players come off the bench, sort of left, right and centre, being like, Emmanuel Dennis, he's at, he's at Nottingham Forest now, how nice for him and... Renan Loddy's in the stand. What? I mean, Man City were being linked with him a few weeks ago. But then the, the great contradiction is you still have Steve Cook in the middle of the defence <laughs> after you've signed, was it 16, 18 players? So clearly, I mean, centre-back is somewhere that they really need to strengthen this week. I think they have Nierkate that they've brought in, so they have, they have strength in that position, but he wasn't playing yesterday. I can't really work out what's going to happen to Forest, whether it's going to be a fantastic season with you know, really smart coach as Steve Cooper seems to be or whether, you know, Renan Lodi becomes Jose Basingua of his period at QPR and it all becomes a little bit sad and and misshapen and you get, you know, splits between last season's players and this season's players who were probably on slightly different salaries and and things like that. But it it is very watchable.
1: And the final one is, you you think it will be a busy few days, despite the fact that there's a full midweek programme of Premier League fixtures, David?
2: Yeah, that does disrupt it a little bit in terms of negotiations. And that Wednesday night in particular, Thursday's only Leicester Man United. So they do, most of them have the final day to to get their deals done. But it's just in terms of the amount that needs to be finalised. Anthony to Manchester United is not completely done yet. Chelsea haven't even sort of started in this final week yet. So Fafana needs to get done, maybe an attacker, maybe a midfielder with some players potentially leaving Chelsea. Although, as things stand, we're told that Conor Gallagher and Christian Pulisic, two, who had been heavily linked with moves away, are going to be staying unless there's an offer that's too good to refuse. You've got Everton, the deals we've mentioned there. Will Arsenal and Tottenham do one each? They're trying, but... It may be a bit tough. Southampton are looking to bolster their attack. Just clubs off the top of my head. Newcastle trying to get a midfielder in. West Ham will try and wrap up the deal for Lucas Paqueta. Up and down the league, there there are lots and lots of things that need to happen. It's going to be interesting to see how Aston Villa respond to their disappointing start to the season, in particular defensive concerns. player they're interested in is Jan Bednarek of Southampton, but they don't appear to have met Southampton's valuation of him yet. Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira, I think will be keen to do more business before the window shuts. But again nothing sort of concrete seems to be developing right now. So much can change in these final few days. So everywhere you look up and down the league, Bournemouth, for example, you know they don't want this Premier League campaign to turn into a, a nightmare like Saturday's defeat at Liverpool was. And they've done very little recruitment so far, but still a bit of time. It's not going to be easy. And so, yeah, lots of little bits going on. Bigger bits too. Wolves' pursuit of Sasa Kalajic at Stuttgart. Hasn't come to fruition just yet, but they're trying to get that done. The asking price of Stuttgart is a bit higher than Wolves want to pay so far. Can a compromise be reached? And there'll be plenty that I'm missing as well. So yeah, I do think a huge amount of money is going to be spent. I do think a lot of deals are going to happen. Many more. There will be attempts to make them happen and they won't. Materialise, but that's just the nature of the beast in any window, especially in the final days. Well, D- David, will um, a question? A question from my dad, mm. who's a Leeds fan. Will Leeds, they do? I, will they do either a left back or a striker? Everything we're hearing from Leeds is that there's no finance available now to do further incoming business. So if they were to, I presume it would have to be a loan. I don't know of uh, anything being imminent. I've heard a few names mentioned around the sort of midfield stroke attack, sorry, department. Yeah. Haven't heard so much recently at left back. But um, I mean, they were one of the clubs who were strongly in for Cody Gakpo, but the level of finance it would take now would presumably be unrealistic, especially because they decided against cashing in on Jack Harrison, who has been the subject of two offers from Newcastle United. One was up to 20 million, the second was in excess of 20 million. And so they had the option there to, as you like to call it, trade, but they haven't done so so far leads are always one you could see doing some late maneuvering but I don't think it will be for great finance by the sounds of it how's your dad gonna feel about that
3: well thankfully he doesn't know how to how to do a download podcast or listen to podcasts so so we shouldn't be <laughs> in too much trouble
1: <laughs> uh, thank you both remember that for the very latest on everything happening in the transfer window plus in-depth analysis and coverage of every premier league team you can head to the athletic and subscribe for just a pound a month for the first six months uh, go to slash football pod. Uh, and if Adam's dad could work out how to be on this podcast feed tomorrow, he'll be hearing an in depth one on Delhi Alley after his move to Besiktas signalled the latest stop on a career which seems to be going in only one direction. See you then.